0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Stephen Reelson from the MEN, a writer who covers Manchester United, the Red Devils, the visitors to St James's Park on Saturday for a lovely 8pm kickoff. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you keeping?
1: Not too bad, Andrew. Thank you very much. For looking forward to what should be a cracking game on Saturday night. And our Newcastle fans always love welcoming Manchester United to St James's Park, especially for an 8pm kickoff. I'm sure there'll be a few drinks in town out and about uh, throughout the day. So that sounds like it's going to be a cracking atmosphere to me, and it hopefully will lend itself to the pitch.
0: Yeah. I mean, listeners to the podcast know I've got a favourite phrase, and it is a great game for the neutral. And it does, <laughs> an APM kickoff, lend itself hopefully to that. Um, what's the deal with Manchester United at the moment, then? I mean, everyone would be well aware of their Champions League exploits 3 3 against Galatasaray. Um, is what happened on the pitch in terms of the performance, in terms of you know throwing away uh, the lead as they did, is that to be taken in isolation, or is that something that um, you know Manchester United are, are prone to doing this season, where maybe they're not seeing out victories as, as, as much as they should?
1: <laughs> Funny question. It's been an absolute mess, uh, to be honest, this season, Andrew. For all there was a few positive results before the international break. They did get points on the board. It's a string of games um, when performances weren't there, but they were, luck they were grinding out results. Um, Brentford, Sheffield United, for example, playing against uh, lower opposition in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, that game in midweek, obviously, uh, we're recording on, on Thursday, just yesterday against uh, Galatasaray, free-free. Um, Manchester United had two goal advantage twice in that game and surrendered it twice, um, which just shows you how, how bad they've been. I mean, I'm saying that because that's not just a one-off. Uh, they've scored three goals away to Bayern Munich. Three goals away to Copenhagen, three goals away to Galatasaray, and they've not won any of those games. And if you told a a Manchester United fan at the start of the season that they would have scored three goals in all of those European matches, you would have thought they would have progressed from the group. And now that's looking incredibly unlikely. The bottom of the Champions League group, and that's exactly where they deserve to be, they might actually crash out completely. Um, It's not a guarantee to get Europa League football, of course, because Copenhagen are playing Galatasaray um, and Manchester United have Bayern Munich. But... Uh, what struck me on uh, Wednesday night was how gettable they were. Uh, incredibly defensively weak. Andrea Nana has to take huge responsibility for that. We'll come on to him, uh, imagine, in a bit more depth. But he's been really poor. It seemed like he turned a corner in recent weeks, actually, uh, around the last month and a half. But that performance was just dreadful. Uh, I presume you would have saw the game, but two free kicks from ZH And there's no excuse. If you're a Premier League goalkeeper, you cannot be letting them in. And I'm sure Eddie Howe and his coach and staff uh, will have watched that game, and they'll think that's an area at the target. Because if you if you've got anything about you, you'd be taking uh, some long shots on Andrew Nana on, on Saturday night, I think.
0: And is there any chance that you'll be dropped for Saturday, or will Ten Hag stick with him? Do you think?
1: There's definitely a case you could you could argue, um, but I'd be incredibly shocked if he, if he dropped them. Um, the the second choice goalkeeper being there at the moment, he's from Turkey. He's yet to make his debut for the club. So Tenag stuck by, and on, uh, I'd be very surprised if uh, that stopped on on Saturday night.
0: And we were saying on our match preview episode that both clubs have suffered unwanted results uh, in in the Champions League. Newcastle, you know, suffered late against PSG. Uh, the penalty decision, absolutely baffling. Obviously, my United has thrown away the lead twice there against Galatasaray. But what you've got is a contrast in the way that the keeper has performed. Obviously, all the attention has been on Onana and, and the errors that he made, while Nick Pope, in the mind of most, had the best game he's played for Newcastle United. So, the, the atmospheres uh, in the dressing room, for one, but also amongst the goalkeepers, will be will be vastly different.
1: Oh, completely. I mean, I just wrote a piece there for the morning and Nona's confidence will be absolutely shot. There was a clip of him after the game when he kind of threw his gloves to the floor. He stood with his hands on his hips and he just looked to the sky and just kind of in disbelief, really, because this isn't the goalkeeper who dazzled in the Champions League last season. He was brilliant with Inter Milan. Um, I was quite excited to see him uh, sign down this way down in Manchester because his uh, build-up play and his ability with the ball had the potential to be transformational, really so saw the errors David De Gea made, but he was really weak with the ball at his feet. And we thought, look, we're going to get a goalkeeper down here um, who's a brilliant shot stubber and fantastic with his feet. And I think it just shows you how much his confidence has dropped that even his distribution has been poor now. And that's supposed to be the strongest part of his game. And um, It's clearly playing on his mind. And there's been a few times when he just hit the ball into the stands. And for a goalkeeper who's supposed to be outstanding uh, with his distribution, that's been really poor to see as well. But again, it comes back to confidence. It's such an elusive thing in top sport. And an honor is really, really struggling in that regard
0: at the moment. There'll be a lot of focus, uh, Stephen, on the reaction from both sides. As you mentioned, Newcastle uh, really having a, a sucker punch at the end of the game. But I don't think they'll be down in the dumps. I think the fact that they did suffer some injustice will add as motivation for them to really go up another level on Saturday. How do you think the United squad will react to what happened against Galatasaray?
1: Well, they have to react. And I mean last season you look at the the worst results and the, to be fair to the players, they tended to react. They tended to produce a, a positive performance after a setback um, and that, don't get us wrong that is a huge setback but the word positives to take again it sounds so silly because the bottom of the Champions League group but their performance in Copenhagen when they lost 4-3 and their display in, in Turkey against Galatasaray obviously drawing 3 free, free there's still some positives to take from that if they can get it right and not concede silly silly goals then they are a good side at the moment like they can play um, but it comes back to that defensive record they have conceded 33 goals this season I think that's the most at uh, this stage um, of any season since I think it's 1962 63. So it just shows you in 60 years they've defensively not been this bad, and Newcastle can cause Manchester United problems on Saturday night. That is a guarantee. So you could kind of see a high scoring game. It goes back to the atmosphere as well. This team, this Manchester United team in the dressing room, they tend to struggle in big atmospheres. I look back to last season Liverpool 7 0, Anfield noise newcastle tuning in i think the game in april after the cup final newcastle fans were were electric the atmosphere was brilliant and manchester united suffered um and then severe as well in the europa league last season quarter finals so this dressing room they've got question marks about how they perform in big atmospheres and newcastle fans will be up for it as i've said and whether they can actually deliver a response to to midweek and 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 not suffer it in in that way uh, remains to be seen really i've got my doubts uh, I've always had my doubts about how this team performs in, in those kind of atmospheres.
0: Is there more on the reaction for Manchester United, just in terms of, I think there's always an expectation on them to get through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. You would expect them to beat Galatasaray. Yes, you go there, welcome to hell. We know what it's like when you when you, do, you visit, uh, visit Turkey, but you would still expect Manchester United to beat them sort of teams with all due respect. And do you think the fact that, Obviously, they've thrown away the lead, but they're also a bottom of this group and there's a real chance they'll go out and maybe not even get Europa League football. Will that be weighing on the mind of, of the players going into this game on set? I know that they're different competitions, but you know there's a lot going on in the background, isn't there? There's always there's always pressure and there's always noise. At the
1: press conference uh, a few days ago, uh, Karen and Bruno Fernandes was asked a similar question, really, and he said, look, it's part of being a Manchester United player, you're always going to be criticised for something. So I think, to be honest, I think the players are used to that. Uh, the manager's used to that as well. There's always going to be people from the outside, us in the media, questioning them and, and what they're doing at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, there is pressure to perform, obviously, going into Saturday's game. Um, there's obviously the other subplot of their meetings last season, the cup final, the 2-0, and that that's an interesting dynamic as well. And... Um, and, of course, we've not even mentioned the most recent game at Old Trafford, the 3-0. Um, Tenoch picked a, a strong team. A team definitely strong enough to, to beat Newcastle's side, with all due respect. I mean, Eddie Howe was it his third side, really, that he, he picked that day? There was probably around 5 fullbacks on the pitch for Newcastle. So that's added motivation for Manchester United this weekend.
0: Yeah, Paul Dummett had an absolute storm, as he did against <laughs> City in the round uh, before. And You mentioned just earlier about the atmosphere at St James's Park. Newcastle's home form is remarkable um the uh six at home five wins only liverpool have beaten them so far at home but manchester united's away record is rather good but they've also got the downside that they're not very good against teams in and around the top six is that right flat track bullies andrew that's what they are um last season away to the last season's
1: top nine they got just one point away from home in away games against the teams who finished the top nine, which is just when you put it like that and you just look at it isolated, it, it's just it's terrible. It's abysmal. There's there's no excuse for it. Um they were really comfortable against lower sides, like I say, the bottom half teams, and they'll always do well and kind of excel in those type of matches. But on the road against better teams, as I've just said, they do tend to struggle. And then when you look at Newcastle's home record and you look at Manchester United's record against better teams, it really doesn't look uh, good for those in red shirts, I don't think.
0: And It's interesting because Newcastle United are suffering from injuries. They had 14 players unavailable against PSG, some due to the the weird UEFA rules about who's available and who's not. Um, but the team that started against PSG and actually finished against PSG, because Eddie Howitt didn't make any substitutions, is likely to be the side you would think starts against Manchester United on Saturday. And given that, the element of tiredness, uh, given the fact that they are missing some big players through injuries, the likes of Joe Willick, Callum Wilson, potentially Sean Longstaff, you would think Manchester United are looking at this game and thinking, we've got a real chance here. But on the flip side, I think Newcastle aren't for you, Manchester United, even despite all the elements I've just put into play from their side. I think Newcastle will definitely fancy themselves against against Man United.
1: They'd have to. They'd have to. There's no fear factor anymore. I think perhaps last season uh, their former Old Trafford was excellent. To be fair, and they kind of had that um, reputation again when when teams came to visit Manchester and played at Old Trafford, where they thought, okay, we might struggle, but. If, you, if you're if you welcoming Manchester United to your stadium, you have to fancy your chances. You have to take the game to them. I think Newcastle are an excellent pressing side and that will cause Manchester United problems. Um, in the midfield, is going to be a huge battle on Saturday as well. It's going to be a really key area. Obviously, Joe Linton and Bruno Camara are fantastic players. And this season, the the midfield at Manchester United, it's just not been settled. It's been a problem area. Casemiro is criminally underperformed. He's he's been really, really poor. He's actually out injured at the moment. So obviously, he won't be in contention to feature. But I expect Bruno Fernandes and, and Scott McTominay to both play. And an interesting name, actually, Kobi Manu, who's only 18 years old. He's come into the fold in recent weeks. I've watched a lot of him and youth football. Some people I talk to believe he's he's got the potential to go on and play for England. He started against Everton, Goodison Park, when yeah, Man United won 3-0, and he was fantastic. Um, I was very surprised he didn't start against Galatasaray, actually. Um, they needed his composure, which is incredible to say for an 18-year-old who was making his full Premier League debut against Everton. They needed his composure against Galatasaray. Um, Sofyan Amrabat started instead. He's been very poor Believe it or not, they paid £10 million to loan him, which we can talk about Manchester United's uh, disastrous transfer record all day. The podcast isn't long enough, but he's another example of a poor signing. So I think Menu, um, Fernandez, and McTominay will be the midfield, and it would be fascinating to see how they get on against Newcastle.
0: What's well, interesting, you described the, 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 the young the young chap there. Our listeners are listening to you, if they'd missed you introducing him, maybe we're thinking you were talking about Lewis Miley, Newcastle's 17 year old midfielder who has just blown people away this season. You're so composed against Chelsea. Then he goes up against the stars of PSG and he just looks at home against the biggest and best. And he will likely, as we said, start on Saturday. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him get a, a real run of games. And for a 17-year-old lad, he just looks like someone who's been playing the game for years. And well, it, it's, it's a key really issue. Good but... Sorry, Andrew. If they're, if they're good oh, enough, they're old
1: enough. Yeah. Um, and Miley is an example of that. Miley and Maina, you could see them potentially. You don't want to put too much pressure on these young lads, but featuring for England in the years to come. Both brilliant young players.
0: Yeah, 100%. And um, Alex, it's just going to be really interesting if there was all the midfields to see how the battle plays out with these two teenagers Um, in the, the direct center of it. Looking at the league table, Stephen, we've got Manchester United a place and a point above Newcastle United, and then there's a you know, the gap starting to form a little bit, by, uh, between Aston Villa, Liverpool, and then the teams below them, Spurs. are is that is the team um, below them? You 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 would think that both Newcastle and Manchester United will be thinking we kind of have to win this game to really keep us sustaining and trying to you know catch. The likes of Liverpool and Aston Villa, who are only what I think four or five points ahead of them, but had still ground to make up at this time of the season. I mean, for me, I think it was around
1: six weeks ago. You looked at that top four, you thought Manchester City, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, and Tottenham are almost nailed on for top four. Obviously, that complexion's changed a bit because Tottenham's injuries and, and they've kind of suffered a few bad results. But I mean, we, we talked on our podcast down here about how we thought Manchester United just were nowhere near top four. And then you look at the table and they're on the they're right there, aren't they? They're there or thereabouts. And it's, I mean, one point above Newcastle, which is actually pretty remarkable considering the kind of the narratives about both teams. I know both have been dealing with massive injury crises. Um, but you look at the the goal difference, Manchester United, zero goal difference in Newcastle, plus 17. And I think that's that's a massive thing. I talked about the defensive record. They've just not been good enough defensively. And the performances haven't been good, although I've said they have picked up results and got points on the board. At the end of the day, to to have that as a sustained across the season and for to launch a, a really good challenge on top four, you have to have decent performances. And I think Newcastle, that's where they've done well, to be fair. They've impressed us this season because, as I've said, they've been dealing with their own injury crisis as well, haven't they?
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, still probably be 11 players out uh, for Saturday. We're not expecting anyone back. Now, as Stephen said at the start of the show, we're recording this on Thursday. So that's ahead of Eddie Howe's press conference, ahead of Ten Hag's press conference as well. So you know, we may get up some updates, at least from a Newcastle point of view, on, on on maybe Sean Long stuff. But at this point, we're not expecting anybody back. You know, my night in missing Casemiro, Martinez, Mount, Evan, Evans, and, and Ericsson. I mean, are we expecting any of those back for Saturday?
1: Don't think so. Obviously, Marcus Rashford will be back. He was suspended in midweek uh, for that trip to Turkey. I expect him to start. He should probably play on the right, actually. Um, I know we've, we've saw him a lot on the left and he's that's his best position, but Ganacho has been playing on the left side and it, it makes sense to have the young lad on the left and Rashford on the right where he is pretty effective as well. Um, and Rasmus Hoyland, to be fair, he's a young striker, but and he's still very raw, but he's got all the tools to, to be an excellent forward long-term. Um, at the moment he is struggling he's still not scored a goal in the Premier League he's scored five in the Champions League um, but he's just well, I think once that goal comes in the Premier
0: League his confidence will grow and he'll stick his chest out and it'll all kind of come into place hmm. I mean the battle of the fullbacks will be interesting we th- we, we think it'll be and Trippier and, and Tino Livromento they are kind of switched um, against PSG every now and then so who starts where will be the interesting one um, but we're looking at Two really informed fullbacks there in, in Tino Livermento and, and Kieran Trippier. And if Manchester United are going to get the better of, of Newcastle, they're going to have to get the better of those two. Two
1: fantastic players in Manchester. They both start for Manchester United. That's just the truth. Uh, Kieran Trippier is better than Aaron Rambosaka. And if you have Livermento at left-back, maybe not with Luke Shaw, but it would be an interesting battle. Uh, Livermento has been fantastic, hasn't he, since he's come into that Newcastle team. We were just talking at Carrington on Tuesday, actually, uh, their open training. We were talking about this game on Saturday and a few of the guys said, the journalists, I mean, it would have been fantastic if uh, Trippier had signed for Manchester United a few years ago when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wanted them. But of course, Atletico Madrid quoted £35 Manchester United didn't pay it. And I mean, his leadership, his nous, his experience, it would have been massive for that dressing room. They needed desperately a player like him. And you look up the, the A1 and you look what he's doing at Newcastle and he's exactly the player that, that could
0: have been starting week in, week out and he would have made such a difference. Well, oh, he's been tremendous. He's arguably the most important signing of the of the new era. So far, like you said, the leadership he brings to the organisation and he's very good at as well at, at winding up the opposition, getting in the year or a little dig here and there. And that that works, especially in these big games as well. And especially... If you're coming into this game as the opposition, not feeling a hundred percent about things, if you're a little bit down, you know, if you allow yourself to get wound up by Kieran Trippier, yeah, that that, that could have a, a massive benefit for four Newcastle United.
1: Yeah, completely. I think everyone watches Bruno Fernandes, and a lot of uh, is made about his demeanor and the way he carries himself. He's kind of similar. He will try to get in Newcastle's. Yeah, he will try to wind players up a bit of gamesmanship, of course. And I guess there is this let's should we say of this rivalry from the 90s and the very early 2000s between Manchester United and Newcastle. And to be fair, since the takeover, the games have been fantastic, uh, with the exception of the nil the nil at Old Trafford, actually, in October 2022. I think that's when I was last on this podcast. That was a bit of a dull affair, wasn't it? But we'll skip over that, um, and, and hopefully Saturday's another cracker, because, like I say, there has been some really interesting games.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that game, because if memory serves me right, Joe Linton should have scored with a header, and in the previous... Two or three games, he's missed two or three sitters with his head. So fingers crossed on Saturday. If he gets another chance to head a goal in, he'll 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 get this one. Um, just in terms of my United scoring goals, I've mentioned the, the forward line. I was a little bit shocked to see they've only scored sixteen in the Premier League this season, which is a, a, a very low amount for for a top six side in terms of where they are at the moment in the table.
1: I mean, if you take Mark, if you look at last season and you take Marcus Rashford out of that team, it would be exactly the same. Um, Rashford shouldered the burden of scoring a lot of goals last season. He he scored 30, which was the best season of his career. He's pretty unplayable, to be fair. Whatever he touched, it turned into magic. He found the back of the net. He was exceptional. He is the ultimate confidence player, though, and his form has dropped off a cliff this year. We've seen it before with Rashford, when things don't go his way, kind of sulks. His body language supporters are getting really, Quite tired with him, the run out of patience. Um, he obviously scored against Everton. Bruno Fernandez handed him that penalty, but he's just scored two goals this season. So, put simply, if Rashford's not scoring, the team really struggles. Um, you look at the other attacking players. I've mentioned Hoyland who will be an excellent long-term signing. I'm sure of it, but for now, he's very raw. And the club knew what they were getting. They knew they weren't going to get a striker that was going to hit the ground running, and they admitted that. Um, Anthony, eighty-six million pounds. Um, potentially the worst signing. In the Sir Alex Ferguson era, which is an incredible statement, Andrew. Uh, if you look at their, their transfers, and then Gnabry as well, who's a, another young lad on the left. To be fair to him, the talent has always been there, and the challenge for him has been producing performances consistently. And against Everton, he scored that remarkable goal. Woods don't do it justice. And then against Galatasaray, he scored as well. So perhaps Gnabry is going to start chipping in a bit more. He is looking quite good. Uh, and look, if Rashford starts scoring again, then, yep, the team will start to click. But until then, they will continue to struggle for goals.
0: Yeah, Anthony's the one I think Newcastle United fans really like to, to wind up. Uh, Dan Byrne did a good job of him back in that 2-0 uh, victory l- last season. Uh, as we mentioned, both teams have played Champions League football this week. Um, how will my United be dealing with the quick turnaround? you know, Do you think... be many changes or do you think it'll be largely the same team will will they be tired obviously they've got the fat child back from turkey but i i often think when you know people ask about how can can the can the the squads deal with the quick turnaround it's often like well yeah private jet best gym memberships in the world this should be all right right I mean, yeah, you see,
1: we just sit in uh, our offices and whatnot and think that and think it's all easy. But to be fair, I mean, there's a lot of travelling, hotels involved, etc. Time away for the family. So maybe it's not that simple. Um, But I'm sure if we were professional footballers, Andrew, we would not have a problem, would we? Uh, Of course. (laughs) Regarding the turnaround, I mean, I think they're used to it, to be fair. They're always in European competition, whether that be the Europa League or the Champions League. Um, And I thought that was going to be a huge challenge for Newcastle this season, actually, because... I don't think people understand. Sometimes when you're playing in Europe, you'll have literally one training session before a game. Um, Manchester United's players are used to that. I thought Newcastle might struggle with that this season, especially with the size of their squad. Um, Regarding changes, Rashford will come back into the side. I'm pretty sure of it. He'll start on the right. And I think Kobi Manu has to start, as I've said, the young lad which is, as I keep on saying, some statement considering he's 18 years old. And look, it will be a raucous atmosphere, but he can cope. He has got the tools to perform at St James's Park under that pressure. And I think he, ha- he simply
0: has to start in front of that defence for me. Hmm. I think one of the big things, and I look back to maybe the Cup final last last year, is did Newcastle United believe they belonged at the elite level? Did they believe they could beat An elite team like Manchester United. And I think what we're starting to see is that actually they do believe they are at a level where they are going to stay and where they do belong. We saw that with the win um, not too long ago over Manchester United. We saw it last week with Chelsea. I know, with all due respect, aren't the Chelsea of all, but there doesn't seem to be a fear from Newcastle. And there's a massive belief that they can take on anyone and beat anyone. And I think we'll see that again on Saturday. Do you think, from an opposition point of view, teams, uh, and obviously my night in specific, are maybe starting to look upon Newcastle as a really dangerous side. And actually maybe it's Newcastle that carry that fear factor for other sides.
1: It's definitely changing, I think, gradually. Um, I'm not sure I'd use the word fear right now, maybe in a couple of years, but uh, I mentioned the kind of re-emerging rivalry and I think that's part of it, to be fair, because supporters down here are looking, hang on a minute, they're actually going to be a threat. You look at that 3-0 at Old Trafford in in the Carabao Cup, if Newcastle can come down here and knock them out with their third reserve side then there obviously are going to be a threat I guess. Um, Long term I mean there is a bit of envy in the sense of how Newcastle are run Um, you look at the the management decisions at Manchester United and the people they have at the boardroom level of the club it's been an absolute mess over the last 10 years they've spent over £1 billion um, and look where they are they've got no further not won the Premier League in that period, obviously. And you look at someone like Dan Ashworth, who Gary Neville was talking about recently, uh, in the same breath as the Manchester United job. You look at the role he's done, uh, overseeing transfers, really clever recruitments, a smart strategy, a buying players for the club and not for the manager. Um, that's just not happened at, at Manchester United and, and that's where they've gone wrong. So I think in that sense, yeah, people are looking up at Newcastle uh, down here and thinking, we would like a bit of that uh, in the sense of how they are run. Um, because, like I say, the decisions down here have, have just been so poor. There's a football director, believe it or not, called uh, John Murta, which I always find quite interesting that people don't realize Manchester United do have a football director. Because um, you wouldn't believe it looking at the transfers. But yeah, Dan Ashworth, I think, was a brilliant appointment. And there's recognition of that down here.
0: Yeah. Well, any United fans who've stumbled across this podcast, Keep your hands off Dan Ashworth. He's not going anywhere. He's going to stay at Newcastle United because there's the project well underway here and it's not doing too badly so far. Uh, in terms of the way my night will approach the game, are we thinking they're going to have a lot of the ball? Are they going to invite Newcastle United on? How do we think they're going to do it on the pitch?
1: It's, that's a, it's a really interesting question. Ten Hag has been quite contradictory with his uh, comments on the style that he wants to play. Um, I think when he first arrived at the club, Everyone expected an IX type of style dominating the possession. Um, but he's, he's kind of since said he wants them to be the best transition team in the world. That's a direct quote, which obviously involves counter attacking. Um, I think they actually are best on the counter attack. You look at some of their best performances under score actually, in the Manchester Derby, they actually overachieved using that style. And if they do try, you look at the game on Saturday, if they do try to dominate the ball, I just can't see it happening. That will be the aim. But Newcastle's pressing and their intensity, I just think that's going to be really hard to do. Uh, you look at that game in April and Newcastle stunned uh, Manchester United with just their intensity from the first whistle, really. It was obviously that clip of um, Eddie Howe in the dressing room beforehand as well, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure will get a mention in the in the lead-up to this game from a Manchester United point of view. Um, so, yeah, I think the first 20 minutes will be key because Newcastle will come out fast. We know that they'll come out with intensity. And if Manchester United can just survive that period, quieten down the crowd, get a get a foot on the ball, and start to to
0: roam up the pitch and get into the final third uh, without conceding, that'll be key. Hmm. I mean, it's really interesting. We mentioned it on on Monday's episode of the podcast that what Newcastle United did against Chelsea, we saw we, t- we saw two sides. We saw a team that's really good on the counter, really good at pressing, but we also saw a team that was comfortable with the ball and that who knew they they had to. Go against a team that was just going to sit back and try and absorb the pressure, and Newcastle handled it. And they seem to have a more than just one plan to approach a game, and, and it, it's really refreshing to see because most sides kind of just they do one or the other. Whereas Newcastle seem at home doing doing both when when they're called upon. In terms of my United's biggest weakness that Newcastle can exploit, um, is it is it slightly unfair to say it is an honor, or no? Now, is there anything else you'd want to pinpoint?
1: You'd have to say that after midweek. As I said, you'd be uh, foolish not to be taking some long speculative efforts, I think. Uh, He has to be tested from a Newcastle point of view. Um, Anana, from his perspective, he will have to make a good start of the game. Otherwise, he will look low on confidence and he will be inevitably targeted anyways. Um, The midfield, as I've said, that's a massive area if Newcastle can really dominate that area of the pitch and boss that, boss that kind of part, then they'll have a massive chance. And I've mentioned fullbacks on this podcast a few times, Andrew. I know uh, last time I was on, I gave a shout out to Diego Dallo and said for all his improvement, he's defensively not very good. I don't expect him to start, to be fair. It should be Aaron at right back, who is a brilliant one-on-one defender. So that'll be an interesting battle with Anthony Gordon on the on that side, down that there. Uh, the East stands, isn't it, down, down by that way in the, yeah, in the second yeah. half if they're attacking towards the Gallagher. Um And left-back Luke Shaw, he's come back from injury. Um, obviously, fantastic left-back. So, look, the, the Newcastle could get joy in the full-back areas. They should be able to dominate the midfield, I would say, if they if they come out with intensity and in purpose. And, yeah, they have to
0: they have to really test Andrew Nair because he is a weak spot at the moment, undeniably. Yeah, you've got to be shooting on site, haven't you, to... to... See if you can get one past them and get the ball in the box as well to just to get them a little bit uh, nervous in terms of the main strength that Newcastle will have to stop. What are you putting forward? I think individual quality, because for all I've just
1: talked about their weaknesses and how much they've struggled this season, they've still got some fantastic players who are capable of producing at any given moment. Uh, you look at Hoyland, for example, if, if he breaks on the counter attack, he's got absolutely uh, blistering uh, speed, he can get in behind Newcastle and really punish them and Rashford, for all he's struggling and, and out of sorts, he can pop up on any side and, and kind of punish teams as well, so uh, we've kind of talked about the, the team struggling for goals and I've just picked out the attackers as the biggest threat, but that's the kind of way it's go in this season, um, but as well I, look, I'll give another shout out to, to Kobi Manu, um because I really do rate him I think he's a fantastic young midfielder and he could actually have a big influence on the game
0: well, that leads us into the penultimate question. I was going to ask you, who's the man that Newcastle will be pinpointing to keep quiet? Um, is it is it one of those two that you've just mentioned? It would be another very large statement to suggest an 18 year olds the
1: man to to stop for, for Newcastle. So I'll uh, I'll come on to Bruno Fernandes, who had a fantastic game in midweek, and um, maybe his goals and assists he's, he's created fewer in the last eighteen months or so. But it, I think he's actually polished his game and he's been a lot better uh, all round. So he is still a fantastic player. I know. He, probably doesn't get the praise he deserves in the wider media because of his behaviour and the way he addresses referees. But he had a really good game in Galatasaray, actually. And when Fernandez plays, they do tend to play well. When Fernandes plays better, the team do play better as well.
0: I feel like he's one of those players that if he's your player, you absolutely love him. But if you're not... Um, the you know, general public are never going to take
1: them. Yeah.
0: yeah. I feel like it's a bit like Callum Wilson, because for me, I always look at Callum Wilson and think... If he wasn't in your Cast United player, I would really dislike you because he's always in someone's face. He's always getting a little digging here or there. And but when he's doing it in your colours, it's the best thing ever, isn't it? Um in terms of any Cast United player that you're really looking forward to seeing or that you think Manchester United will be fearing, um, is there anyone that springs to mind? I think Anthony
1: Gordon's really good under the radar uh, th- this season. We were talking about him again in the in the press room, actually, uh, on Tuesday at Carrington, talking about the impact that he's had and how he's added goals to his game, actually, um, because he didn't really have that evidence. I don't think, in an abundance. But he's been really dangerous. He's caught my eye. And for all, one, is excellent. Uh, in one of your one V1 scenarios, you can take him on and you can cause problems. Uh, don't get us wrong. So that'll be a really interesting battle down
0: that side, I think. Mm, Definitely. Gareth Southgate, if you're watching, there's another person who was impressed with Anthony Gordon. (laughs) It's got to be your turn soon, right? Um, All that remains to be done, Stephen, is uh, give us your score prediction for Saturday.
1: Um, I think I was the only one who didn't think they'd win. There was actually quite high confidence in the Manchester camp. um, for Manchester United's game against Galatasaray in midweek, and I thought they'd regress back to what we saw. Because of how they struggle in away atmospheres and loud crowds, I'd have to say Newcastle win for that reason and I'll go 2-1 because I can still see Manchester United getting on the score sheet but I think Newcastle's intensity at home Saturday night kickoff under the flood nights I think that's going to be massive and I think United, Man United are going to really struggle
0: to deal with that actually Good recovery there with the word of United You realise what I did I almost did it, I almost fell into the trap But yes, your reasons that you've just given there uh, for why Newcastle United may win are exactly the reasons why I've gone for a 3-1 win plus the injustice of what happened on Tuesday I just think there's just so many elements kind of going for Newcastle United which will just boost them up to an even higher level and yeah at home they're just a force to be reckoned with so I am going for a win for Newcastle 3-1 um, it's going to be an interesting game as I said at the start one for the neutrals I think uh, Stephen thank you very much for popping on to the Everything It's Black and White podcast a pleasure as always To you guys watching and listening, please hit subscribe or follow depending on which platform you're watching us through or join us on. Head over to chroniclelive.covk for all the latest Newcastle Night.